Halloween has got a bad rap, for many reasons. But one big reason is its associations with death and the assumptions in some quarters about the nature of the relationship between Halloween and death. The internet abounds with articles exhorting evangelical Christians to avoid Halloween because it supposedly focuses on death, encourages deeds of darkness, and is designed to incite fear. These beliefs seem to be centred on one particular non-Christian festival that has evolved from ancient Celtic times and is still celebrated today, with a little borrowing from and overlapping with Halloween traditions. But we shouldn't put all the blame on pre-Christian Irish pagans. The Halloween that we know today is a complex festival with many influences from the ancient past. Celtic and early Christian, and of course, in the last 80 years or so, multi-billion dollar corporations. We asked history professor and practicing Catholic Dr. Hanail Bianchi where that association with death originated. The early calendars in the church were just lists of dates when people died. They would visit these people on the anniversaries of their death and they would mark where they were buried and visit the tombs. That's the earliest calendars, the earliest list of dates, earliest celebrations, earliest rituals that we have. That's what Christians did from the beginning. The Romans also had a very strong sense of their ancestors, and they kept shrines to their ancestors in their houses and remembered them and passed on the stories. And the Christians did the same thing with their martyrs and their holy individuals. They wanted to keep that memory alive and visit them. It does seem like a cultural similarity, but it's also, it's, it is something that was there from very early, early stages in Christianity, right from the beginning, the very earliest accounts that we have. And so that is a big part of Christianity, is remembering the dead, visiting their grave sites, praying for them on the anniversary of their death, praying that they go to heaven if they are a poor soul in purgatory. And a huge part of early Christianity that's not as strong a tradition today, but probably go back to Roman traditions, and it's just part of ingrained in them, which the early church adopted in the memory of the martyrs and visiting the dead martyrs. What is St. Peter's? It's the gravesite of St. Peter, that church, that pilgrimage site. And that's something that is just such a huge part of Catholicism, and for the last 2,000 years, really, too. So, I mean, it's foundational. So did the Romans have a festival that focused on the dead? They had Lemuria, which was a period of five days when Romans believed their ancestors returned in spirit form to give them grief and generally make them feel threatened and uncomfortable. A bit like your grumpy grandfather or your disapproving mother-in-law returning to remind you that even though they're dead, they're not going to let you slack off. Now, in order to appease these spirits, the father of the household would have to walk barefoot around the house at midnight, chucking down or spitting out black beans to bait the spirits, or lemurs as they were known, hence the festival name of Lemuria. The beans were thought to coax the spirits into the house, and then the rest of the family would come out banging pots and pans to scare them away. But these dead relatives didn't show up in the darkening days of autumn. No. They were hanging around making their presence felt in the middle of May, particularly on the 9th, 11th and 13th of May. 
So the festival of Lemuria was important for getting rid of a spring nuisance, so the Romans could then get on with their summer activities in peace. So what does that have to do with a spooky holiday celebrated at the end of October? Well, it happened in stages. If you're going into a culture with the aim of converting them to your religion, it's best to home in on those festivals that are easily adaptable, whatever time of year they kick off. The Catholic Church does not hide the fact, and they did this deliberately, that they incorporated whatever practices was going on in the area that they were trying to spread the faith into their version of Catholicism. So any symbol, any date, any holiday, any festival, they would take the elements that weren't specifically anti-Catholic and incorporate it into a Catholic feast. It was done to facilitate the transition. So along comes the evangelizing Christian church in the early 7th century, and as it often did when confronted with a bunch of, as they saw it, heathens dabbling in some unsavory practices, it eased in a festival in the place of the Roman Lemuria, but with the new festival cleverly incorporating some elements of the old. So what did we get? It was Pope Boniface IV who decided that the Pantheon at Rome, the most important pagan temple in the city, should be dedicated instead to the Virgin Mary and all the martyrs on May 13th, strategically that last day of the Roman festival of annoying dead relatives. What Pope Boniface did to dispense with those pesky Roman spirits was to insert an official day when, instead of dead relatives, dead saints and martyrs could be acknowledged and honoured. And they certainly didn't need scaring away. Now, the reason for the switch to November 1st for All Saints Day has various versions. It seems that just over a hundred years after Pope Boniface IV had replaced the Roman Lemuria festival with All Saints Day, Pope Gregory III dedicated a church to St. Peter in Rome on November 1st for holding the relics of saints and switched the important Saints Veneration Day to that date. But it's likely that this wasn't just a coincidence with the fact that, meanwhile, a few thousand miles north in the British Isles, the early Christians were getting their tunics in a tangle over the ongoing non-Christian celebrations of the Celts, who also had a festival on November 1st where they venerated their dead, a festival that, from the way it's spelled, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, looks like Samhain, but is in fact pronounced Samhain. In any case... Another hundred years passed, and in the ninth century, Pope Gregory IV decided that the festival of Samhain definitely needed to be elbowed aside, and he made November 1st the universal and compulsory day for all saints. However, Samhain continued to be celebrated by the Celts, even by some who had converted to Christianity, because, well, all saints just didn't serve their more personal purposes. Myth a modern-day pagan, puts it into perspective. Originally, the All Saints Day was in May, and in May, the ancient Romans had a festival of the dead. That was when the Catholic Church was getting formed. People still wanted to honor the dead, it's because someone's dead and gone, you don't forget them, you remember them. Your parents can be passed away for years, and you can still sometimes suddenly feel, I miss you, Dad. I remember when I was five, and something will remind you going to the zoo as a kid with your dad. Gosh, that was a great time. Or when he sang a tisket and a tasket to you when you were a kid. And so this was an annual time in the ancient Rome. They didn't want to give up this aspect of this holiday. 
Some Protestants say because they don't want to give up a aspect of a pre-Christian holiday, it's not really Christian, and a Christian shouldn't do that. Then, at some point, people had gone up and ran into the Celts, and they were trying to Christianize them too. And so one of the popes moved the celebration from the All Saints Day to the end of October. We do know that the Celts used to honor their ancestors at this time of year up in the British Isles. So this is a time where you can remember your ancestors. You can remember your beloved dead. Gerald Gardner wrote about in Witchcraft Today about the altar of the mighty dead. The neo-pagan movement sometimes calls it the ancestor altar or the altar of the beloved dead. He was tracking down what he thought was the old religion, and it was known at that time that the Celts were celebrating their ancestors at this time. Exactly what all the things were involved, we don't know. Now, there are various theories as to the etymology of the word Samhain, some thinking it means summer's end, some arguing that it means assembly. The general gist is that it means something along the lines of a gathering to recognize the change from the warm to the wet and cold seasons. What it is not, as some put about, is the name for some god of death and a malignant dark lord of death at that. Any gods, symbolic or otherwise, were representative of nature or acted as guardians in the transition from life to death. Samhain incorporated a celebration of the harvest and the transition from the seasons of growth and flowering to the dark time of year, when many things died and decayed to make way for the eventual new beginnings and new birth. There was nothing morbid or unwholesome about it. Rather, it was a realistic acknowledgement of the reality of the life cycle and of death being an integral part of that cycle, with nature demonstrating that year after year in concrete and symbolic terms. These are the aspects that continue to be celebrated today by modern-day pagans. Here's myth again. In Wicca, we have the great goddess and the powerful god, and they are the two deities of nature. She's Mother Nature, sometimes he's the god of the forest and the hunt, and he can also be the god of the underworld. The underworld is just where you go when you pass away. It's the Summerland. Now, these are deities that are supposedly continuing to create the world. That's, an, in my opinion, a symbolic way of looking at it. The cycle of the years, which is the wheel of the year, and has eight holidays, one of which is Samhain. Samhain is the end of the year, It's a nature cycle, why people don't like Halloween, Halloween specifically. The vegetation is dying at this time of year. The leaves are falling off, the bugs are dying off because it's getting chilly, many of the birds are flying south, many of the wild animals will not necessarily make it through the winter. There will be some birds that will die, like the sparrows and stay here. Not all of them are going to find enough food to survive. Animals are going into hibernation, it is the time that the year dies. That's why I believe the Celts may have associated their dead with the dying year. That's my guess. Why is that threatening? Why anyone would want to acknowledge or pay attention to the changing of the year and the changing of cycles of life? Death happens. And now I'm in my 50s. I have lost friends, many family members. You have a sense of mortality after you hit 50. When you're 10, you feel like you're going to live forever because you're a very young kid. As you get older, you realize friends who were not that much older than you got sick and didn't get well. They had cancer. They had some other things. They were surprised by a heart condition. I lost a friend that way. 
There was, it used to be saying that the great god, Sam Hain, he's not a god, he's actually an occult detective in California, that's the Wiccan joke. The great god, Sam Hain, was the god of the dead and was collecting all the souls under him, and they sort of identified him with the devil as keeping all the souls under him and so forth. That's really not true. Someone said they did find a reference to a spelling very similar to that of a deity associated with the dead later. But yes, the theory is is that we're not interested in life, we're interested in dying. No, that's really not it. There is a thing that we do where you take an apple and you slice it in half. And you slice it in half, not along the core, but across the core. And you open it up and you can see the seeds cut in half. There's five. Wiccans love the pentagram, which I am wearing, or the pentacle, the uh, five-point star that is the endless knot. There's five seeds in an apple, and it gives the idea of the, the star of rebirth. That's just something we do as a way of recognizing how the cycle of life goes. It's very symbolic. We understand things die, but we also we show the star. The seeds mean there will be rebirth. We miss our friends that pass away. We recognize mortality. The idea that there is more to life than just this life, and the whole idea that mortality is not in and of itself a bad thing. Our bodies will wear out, and we will die, and that is just a fact of life. Saying that it's not going to happen is ridiculous. A lot of people in this culture, this modern American culture, want to pretend that death doesn't exist. People don't visit graveyards on All Saints Day so much anymore. So maybe this story of the former or continuing pagans not being quite catered for with All Saints was part of the reason why by the 10th century the Festival of All Souls had been established to follow the day after All Saints. Because what about the souls of the ordinary Christian dead? The ones who weren't holy enough to be saints or who hadn't committed any noteworthy acts of enormous sacrifice? Well, they had to be purified first in purgatory, and their admittance to heaven was sort of contingent on how that sojourn went. So the day after all saints developed into all souls, referring to the ordinary Joe souls who needed an extra leg up of prayers and supplications by their surviving relatives to get in the door. Here's Professor Bianchi again. At first, the only saints were martyrs. But then, so then there's other people that aren't martyrs that become saints, and they're celebrated in heaven, and their death is considered a new birth into a new life, and so it's a happy occasion. Their death is actually happy. The celebration of what they would call the poor souls is a more of a question mark. So it's going to be a lot of praying, petitioning to get these people out of what might be a period of suffering in purgatory and to heaven. Particularly during the medieval period, that was a huge part of practices. Not so much in the early church. Early churches got the martyrs. But then you see developing more cults around the dead that aren't necessarily in heaven, the poor souls in purgatory. And so much of medieval Catholicism is about those individuals. So those are people, dead people in your family, and remembering them and praying for them to get them out of purgatory and into heaven. Very different situation. I think there's a little bit more emphasis on the dead, and the question of where that soul is makes Old Saul's Day not the happy occasion of All Saints Day, but a, a little bit more somber. So it seems that preoccupation with the dead, starting with the holy saints, but as time went on more and more with all dead souls, was actually a very central focus of Christianity. And unlike in paganism, where death was seen as a necessary part of nature to be celebrated, in Christianity, 
It was surrounded by anxiety and angst about getting into heaven and possibly not qualifying. Now, of course, where there's a need for something, somebody will always cotton on to the untapped market and start to offer a service. Out of this concern about whether one's departed loved ones would make it into heaven grew the practice of souling, where poor people would show up at people's houses and in return for something to eat, offer to pray for their dead relative's passage from purgatory into heaven. You've seen that tradition where on All Souls Day, where people go around and they ask for cakes and in exchange they'll pray for the people in purgatory, the poor souls, and have them go to heaven, which is, again, this is a Christianization of pre-Christian practices. But souling did go on around that time, and the reason they called it souling is they would go in and if you gave them some money or gave them some cakes, they would later go and say prayers for the souls of the dead. This was very much tied into Christianity. The souling song is actually a Christian song that was done by the Catholic Church around the British Isles to encourage people to go and say prayers for souls of the dead. So we've had Romans banging pots and pans to scare away the spirits of disgruntled dead relatives, and Christians going around souling, asking for cakes in exchange for praying for the souls of people's loved ones. Aren't these two elements of scaring away unpleasant presences and knocking at people's houses for something tasty fundamental elements of the decorations and activities of Halloween? That's a whole other subject for routing out. But what we've discovered in this exploration of the association of Halloween with death is that maybe some Christians have misunderstood the various motivations that have come together to create what we now know of as Halloween. The death focus was actually one that was taken up by and reinforced by Christians. And even when non-Christians have focused on death, rather than its being a summoning of evil, dark forces, it's been either an occasion to shoo away malevolent spirits not attract them, or to celebrate the wholesomeness and rightness of nature and the role death plays in the life cycle of the natural world and of human existence. What is threatening or unholy about that? I believe two things can be true at the same time. There could be some ancient connection to this that you are actually picking up on. It could be purely symbolic. And here's something that someone said once, uh, Judy Harrow, it really doesn't matter which. What matters is that a bunch of people came together, they celebrated, and they had a good time. And what they interpreted as happening doesn't matter. What matters is they came together and did it. People come together to celebrate at this time of year for many different reasons, motivated by many different beliefs or no particular beliefs at all and increasingly not even understanding what on earth they're doing it all for. They dress up, they decorate, they drop in on strangers and ask for something edible. They attend sacred rituals in churches, temples, or in the open air, and they remember and pay respects to the dead. One celebration is that Celtic festival that seems to be at the root of so much Halloween disapproval. Samhain. Some Christian groups have some very dark and heavy ideas about what Samhain is. As mentioned before, they apparently have the impression that Samhain is a persona, a god of death and a satanic one at that. But Samhain is the name of a pre-Christian festival that continues to be celebrated by pagans today, 
and modern-day pagans certainly don't recognise the name as ever having been associated with a deity, let alone an evil one. As Myth mentioned, there's just a joke about Sam Hain, undercover detective. At this time of year, ordinary people, teachers, corrections officers, government employees and a significant number of veterans who identify as pagans come together to celebrate Samhain, one of the earliest precursors to modern-day Halloween. Does this ancient ritual encourage deeds of darkness and incite fear? We're going to find out firsthand next time on Routing Out. This episode of Routing Out was conceived, written and presented by Zoe Badovinik and featured interviews with Dr. Hanal Bianchi, Assistant Professor of History at Howard Community College in Maryland, and Myth Woodling, a founding member of the Chesapeake Pagan Community.